Welcome to the Grit and Grace space. Come along as we explore experiences, cultivate community, and grow our appetite for adventure. Here we go. Hello, everybody. This podcast is the first segment of an eventual nine or ten piece series where Alexander and I dissect a book series called For Women Only and For Men Only. The author of this series, it's two authors, Shanti and Jeff Fieldhan. I hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. A husband and wife couple who wrote two books that sort of dissect the male and female mind. And the idea is, as a female reading the For Women Only books, I have an inside scoop on how men may be processing things differently. Alexander and I go into more detail in the podcast on what these books entail, so I won't repeat myself too much here. A dear friend gifted me these books at the beginning of 2020, and it was either ironic timing or divine timing, as Alexander and I would soon find ourselves with lots of free time on our hands. And as March of 2020 and the summer of 2020 set in, uh, we took the time to go through these books together It would be our little uh, Sunday morning ritual since the church routine looked a little bit different. Processing through this series really blessed our marriage and we encourage any couple, regardless of religious background, to read through the series together. And I would say even beyond that, these series are, or these books are great for single individuals as well to read their respective half of this series. Again, the four women only book gave me a peek into how men think about and interpret and operate in the world around them, where generally women are emotional beings. I will say that I am absolutely an emotional being. Um, Men tend to be more linear thinking and simple. And I don't say simple as a demeaning term, uh, but the stereotypical videos or memes are true when there's a couple sitting next to each other and the woman may have a million windows up open in her brain and the man may be fixated on solving one problem at a time. That contrast is unspoken in this case, but in the real world leads to maybe conflict that has a root cause of misunderstanding or or miscommunication. So reading these chapters actually helped me better understand not just Alexander better, but all of my relationships and interactions with the opposite gender. One of the chapters actually dives into how our brains are wired differently, 
but the biggest like when we talk about how this series was so impactful for our relationship the why there is what the book teaches you and provides guidance on for how to respond with grace and with love knowing these differences right so it does two things for you number one teaches you gives you insight into differences and number two provides guidance on how to respond knowing these differences and not in a way that is manipulative but is in a way that's more educated right if you knew somebody was if you knew your boss was colorblind you probably would take a different approach to the powerpoints you made that had color on them and that's just a small example of learning and understanding those around you better helps you respond in a way that is constructive and more clear and enables more thorough communication. Going through these books the first time, I felt such a deeper emotional connection with Alexander. And even going through this first chapter again together uh, translates, for me at least, uh, into more you know, desire for my husband. And it's easier to then bridge the gap into the romantic side. I'm sure maybe some other couples can relate that when life is lifing, stress is high and it's tough and it takes intentionality and it takes patience and practice to lean into that romantic side of your relationship and really to connect again as a couple. And so for me, at least, that's another benefit of this series is that as Alexander and I are going through these chapters together, we're relearning or being reminded of how each other thinks and then talking about those differences results in just feeling more connected. And this is starting to sound maybe like too cheesy, but hopefully you'll see what I mean throughout this series beginning with this first chapter here. I would say outside of this, and I think I might have touched on it already, reading through the For Women Only book helped me better understand where I was communicating well and where I was not communicating well with, I'll say, men in the workplace. For me, as a female engineer at a very engineering heavy company the balance is more skewed towards men as as colleagues and co-workers and leaders and um, people that I lead so in circumstances where I would be maybe phrasing a question one way they may interpret it a completely different way and reading the nuances into how each of us process and even bouncing certain things off of Alexander with respect to communication at work has helped me build better connections with my 
coworkers and has helped me be a better communicator. So even if you are a single person, you know, looking for a relationship or a single person just looking to be maybe a better communicator, more empathetic in general, I would highly recommend these books. They're not very thick. They're I don't know, maybe the size of, like if you folded a piece of printer paper in half, that's about the size of the book, length by width. And then it's maybe like a one inch wide. So about 150 pages or so. There's lots of diagrams. They're very easy to digest. So it's not like an overwhelming textbook. And then I would even say if you are short on time, skimming through the bold sections that are highlighted or the questionnaires that are diagrammed would give you more information than not reading the book at all and it would be maybe more optimized if you don't have the time to spend reading. I personally am not a huge reader. I don't enjoy the act of reading. I much more enjoy audiobooks so sitting down and actually like reading the words on the pages is, is hard for me in general so I empathize with anybody who also maybe doesn't love to read that and I hope that is encouraging that again these are digestible and fruitful no matter how much or little time you're able to spend with that being said, we will get on into the podcast. It's a little chaotic at times. You get to hear a little behind the scenes of uh, Alexander and my day-to-day -day banter. Thank you again for being patient last week as we were studying for midterms. And thank you so much for continuing to listen. This is episode number 12, so three months in to the podcast. And it's just really encouraging that this is coming to life and I'll leave it at that uh, please if there's any recommendations things you want to hear people you want to hear from please comment on the post on Instagram please comment on the podcast itself so that I can take that feedback and curate this more to what you want to hear so I will pause there and we will get into the good stuff. Hello, everybody. Hi. We are back here with Mr. Rao on a special episode that is going to turn into, I think, maybe an 11 part series over the next several months. It's not going to be one after the other, but. We are going to talk through chapters of uh, this book. What would you call this? Like a series? I don't know. Like a collaboration where there's two books. One book is called For Women Only, and the other book is called For Men Only. And the summary is that you read your own book. Well, the way that we've approached this was... We would take one chapter at a time, and I would read the For Men Only book and highlight different pieces of that chapter that resonated with me, and he would do the same with my book, and then we would switch. And as 
then I was reading the for women only I would see what Alexander highlighted and so like of the whole chapter there might be certain sections that resonate with him more than others so that I could really hone in on what those sections were and take them into consideration as I was reading the chapters. Uh, The first time we went through this series was back in spring of 2020 so when everything started to change and we weren't going to church in person and we took um, some time instead to go through these chapters and I think it at the time really helped strengthen our relationship and this is now more of maybe like a resource guide where we're familiar with the material but it's good to look back at and reflect on and so we wanted to do that again in a way that was digestible for an audience because we feel really passionately I guess about what these books showed us and we've gifted them to a bunch of friends who've gotten engaged or married or whatever it's just really really interesting to get the other gender's point of view and understand how they may be thinking about things that are completely different from how you think about things and so that helps you communicate better and you know serve your partner better uh what would you like to add to that nothing was a good summary really yeah you you teed it up well okay so the first chapter for the women only book was talking about the title of the chapter is your love is not enough why your respect means more to him than even your affection and what was your chapter mine is called the deal is never closed why her quote i do will always mean quote do you question mark and what to do about it so talk a little bit more about i guess the overview of what that book talks through Yeah, the summary would be that most men feel like they, you know, made a commitment and that should be good. Like like we're done, case closed, but women need to be continuously reassured. And when they're not reassured, they act out. (laughs) Spiral out of control. In different ways. So there's like things to identify and then ways you can try to Uh, be more proactive about that Mm -hmm. and so mine you know pretty self-explanatory that men there's a survey question in at the beginning of the chapter and the survey question is think about these two negative experiences sorry think about what these two negative experiences would be like to feel alone and unloved in the world or to feel inadequate and disrespected by everyone if you were forced to choose one which would you prefer and men when answering this question 75 percent selected they would rather feel alone and unloved versus feeling inadequate and disrespected and in contrast when women were asked i don't have the percentage here but a majority of women would rather feel inadequate and disrespected versus electing to feel unloved and so that's an example of how important respect is for 
men and where women are maybe more emotional beings, we would, it wouldn't resonate with us that that, that's what you would be looking for as a sign of affection or love, um, being like respected. So I guess from, that's an overview of what each of our chapters were about. Um, I think it might make most sense to go through yours first and then come back to and like talk through what stood out to you and maybe have some dialogue around that and then come back to my chapter and take the same approach. Um, So I will turn it over to you. What do you want to talk about specifically? So again, your chapter is more about uh, how women need that consistent reassurance and the negative impact if that reassurance isn't felt. And so when we went through this the first time, I highlighted specific things that stood out to me. When you went back through and read this chapter again today, what what stood out to you in terms of something that may have been highlighted or something that you were reminded of reading the content again? I think potentially like the triggers are pretty good here. So the triggers that identifies potentially for women would be conflict, withdrawal, silence, and emotional bank account is depleted basically. So when these things happen, it can trigger a, you know, am I loved kind of response. And then usually men's response to that response isn't, correct either like we'll withdraw or something which will just make it worse so that was a good reminder of things to look out for and try and be proactive like wrap up conflict in a way that you can be on good terms and don't withdraw and like things like that so those are kind of proactive like if you can avoid the triggers it'll be better than having to deal with the outfall so talk about withdraw a little bit more specifically I mean, what it says here is when you're faced with conflict, men tend to retreat into silence to escape unwanted feelings. Often we can't fully articulate something yet, or we want to avoid seeing something hurtful. Unfortunately, seeing her man withdraw or become moody usually generates more unwanted feelings for a woman. So you can see how that like can snowball. Mm-hmm. So that when there's a conflict and you withdraw to maybe collect your thoughts as you're not maybe naturally able to articulate them as quickly as a female might be able to, I would interpret that withdrawal as not choosing me or like maybe turning away. And then that makes me feel even more uncertain of our ability to resolve conflict. And so then my feelings of or, or like my absence of being reassured increases and then your withdrawal increases. And so it would just draw a greater divide versus you being maybe more self-aware that more self-aware of what withdrawing does to the circumstance. And in addition, me being, you know, reading through my content, because it talks about this a little bit later on, knowing that when you withdraw, it's not because you hate my guts and you're going to run away. It's because men aren't as, I don't know the way to phrase it, but women can articulate their thoughts 
faster and more cohesive than men can and they talk about some they talk about that more in later chapters they build on that idea mm -hmm. so i haven't really talked about it yet yeah but give like the sneak peek the summary no that's basically it that men take more time to process emotionally in most cases mm. so they need that space and time mm -hmm. you said you had a lot of charts in in your chapter what were some of the other things that they talk about I mean, mostly all related to the same thing, just different variations of it. So one of them is about if you had a conflict, an emotional conflict, and the husband took the time to say that we're good, I just need some time to process, that that, that would create reassurance. Like 86% of people, like women, said that that would create like a fair amount of reassurance that things were fine. Mm -hmm. So little things that I think men assume but don't state. So I think that's what I would just say is it might seem obvious, so you don't state it, but I would just state it. Like, mm -hmm. We're good. I just need time to process. So pick out one more thing that stood out to you, and then maybe let's talk about a recent conflict that we might have had where, you know, would have been different five years ago than maybe it would play out today. I think the other piece of this is just pursuit. I spend multiple pages talking about like pursuing, like when you're dating, you're often pursuing a lot and then you get married and you stop pursuing. I think it's just not natural for men to keep pursuing in most cases. So definitely something to make an effort to do. Mm -hmm. So when you read that, does it help you like think about ways in our marriage today where you could pursue or is it still like a stretch to go from being told that women would still desire to be pursued versus how to apply that? I think I know now it's just hard. It's still hard to see the value in it. You know, it's like another date night dinner that's expensive. It just feels, I don't know. I don't know that, I don't know that men need it and so it's hard when you look at like the the value proposition it's just not always there to me. It sort of bleeds into love language a little bit where in a way if pursuit was like a scale women would need that more than men and then the love language is opposite where we receive that but that's not a way that you receive love so it's hard for you to give love that way yeah kind of i think it's good yeah so can you think of something like a conflict in the last i don't know three to six months and maybe how we handled it versus how that might have gone maybe three years ago i don't know we don't really have many disagreements though like you wanted to go to up to emory for the the friday thing and i was just like no i'm not going well, i think we we're both tired enough <laughs> that was like an easy uh, we tend to find good compromises i think that we didn't before i don't know i can't really think of anything we don't tend to have big disagreements i think i've learned it usually isn't worth fighting over but i don't know can you think of one no not really it's kind of boring that's not to say that we're, just, we're perfect by any means. I think that we just are better communicators than we used to be. I think we're just so focused on other stuff that we don't have the bandwidth to argue about 
<laughs> things that aren't important. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's, it'd be different though. I think, I think if we had more free time. You think we we would disagree we could, more? If we we had just more find free time? we just find things. You know, we'd yeah. be like, I want to redecorate the house, and then we have to argue about that. But right now we're too busy with other things to even think about redecorating the house or something yeah. like that. Or just large financial decisions that maybe we don't agree yeah. on. I mean, we don't have to decide about trips to go on. We don't have to decide about anything. We're not doing anything right now. Okay. Yeah. So you maybe know? we'll have to, we'll do this uh, series and then maybe in two years we'll do the series again when we have a little more free time. I think also just with how also like intense our work life is, we look to each other as more of, not a safe haven, but more like a sounding board of... Like, hey, help me out with this versus, I don't know. I don't think you ever ask for advice. You just want to tell me about it and then I have to sit there and not give advice. You're right. That's hard. That, I think that's in the book too. But. I don't know. So we'll flip over to my chapter that I read back on the lines of men look at the feeling of respect as being like the equivalent to feeling loved. Um, something that you had highlighted was a statement that most of us do respect the men in our lives, but too often it turns out our words or actions convey the exact opposite without intending it. And so I think an example of that is when I might, question a decision that you've made or question how you handled something and from my perspective I'm not intending that to be disrespectful it's more out of like curiosity or like huh I wouldn't have done that that way why did you do it that way but what you hear is she doesn't trust me she thinks I'm stupid she thinks I'm not capable of making this decision making this decision and talked about a little bit of imposter syndrome sets in. So I guess, like, what are your comments on that as far as how I articulated it versus how you might have articulated it? I think this one could vary more couple to couple, thinking about it now. If you, mm. there's some couples that are like both type B people mm. and maybe they're less offended when the other person questions them. I could see that being the case because they're like, yeah, I'm good with, good with whatever. But I think I do put a fair amount of thought, like I was picking out the new glass, like lunch containers for us and spent like a fair amount of time looking at those. So the big thing, the big life update is we're switching <laughs> all of our plastic Tupperware to glassware. Yeah. So, I mean, if you have information I don't have, then yeah, I need that information to make a decision. But assuming we both have all the same information, I think I do spend more time thinking about it and and would prefer there to be some trust there that I did think about it and I took all the information into account and that this is my recommendation for when we leave the house or whatever we need to do because I've thought about it. So it can be frustrating to be like questioned, but I don't know. Is that a good explanation? Yeah, I think so. I think it's it's sort of interesting because at the same the same time I might question you about things. I also get really offended when you question me about things. Now, generally, I've put less thought into something than you might have, and like generally, there's you have historical evidence as far as 
questioning me for a good reason. Yeah, I <laughs> but I still get. Still, I'm what allowed to question forever now. What was that? I can't remember what that last thing was. I don't know, but we agreed from now on. I can question you forever. You can question me, but I'll like. It's interesting. I read these. I was like, yeah, I would be offended too if you questioned a decision that I made, assuming that I hadn't put thought into it. But I'm also like fairly type A, so. I thought this was, this resonated with me. In a relationship, in a relationship conflict, crying is often a woman's response to feeling unloved and anger is often a man's response to feeling disrespected. I definitely cry to release emotion every now and then, but you are such uh, like an even-keeled person. I think there's maybe only been like once or twice that I've ever really seen you angry like once in the last over personal stuff angry with something but going on between you and I yeah I can only think of like one or two times maybe yeah but yeah I mean I don't I don't know you don't do silly things so it's not that bad (laughs) like well mostly I think we agreed to not do anything without kind of consensus so mm. it would be one thing if I said, if you just, like, booked a trip somewhere and didn't tell me, like, I'd be frustrated. Like, a non-refundable, you know. Cruise. That'd be terrible. Yeah, like, oh if gosh. you booked a non-refundable cruise, I'm trying to think of the worst case scenario. I was going to say Alaska, but that actually wouldn't be that bad. So I'm trying to think of, like, a different situation. But The nuances, neither of us really like cruises that much, but. Yeah, I think I could like it. It's just. Anyway. Anyway, I'd be frustrated. Like when you were going to go on that retreat thing to Arizona. Oh, that's a and, good one to talk about. And you were like about. about to book like a five-day sketchy retreat to Arizona. And I was like, stop. Like sometimes you get going and you just can't stop. You're like, you're like I have to book this now. I'm like you don't have to book it now. It's not going to fill up in the next 24 hours. Like let's talk about this for a few days or something. So if you were to do something like that, it would make me very frustrated. So wait, I don't know so, if I'd be angry because at a certain at a certain point, it's like this is your own thing. But when it affects both of us, like when you commit to dinners and stuff like that, I get more frustrated because I, I have to deal with it now. Yeah. Anyway, we should talk through that a little bit more because I think that was probably the closest thing to like a real conflict that we had recently. So this was back in June. I did a podcast on the result of of this, so if you haven't listened to that, it might be interesting to go back and hear afterwards, but I was really overwhelmed at work and just, like, looking for an escape, and my original thought process was going on, like, a curated meditation, meditation retreat or, like, some sort of yoga retreat, something that was... Yogurt retreat? I wish a yoga retreat. Yeah. And I found this place in Arizona and it looked like very cool. And Alexander's like, this looks sketchy and stupid and mm-hmm. like non-biblical. You didn't use those words, I but you were those words. Use most of those words. You thought it was, you know, I kept asking what, what is the intent of this retreat? And you'd be like, I want, I don't know what you said. A silent retreat to do yoga or something. I don't know what she said. But then I would look at the webpage. I'm like, I'm reading the mission statement off the webpage and like it doesn't align with what you're telling me you want. And like, I just don't get it. I'm not saying this, you know, it just was very frustrating to me. 
but you were so stubborn, like you were set on it. I was not able to articulate my feelings. I was just <laughs> wanted to wanted Ooh. to escape. So the result of that is you talked me off a ledge. I it was also like would have required a plane ticket, and instead I ended up booking an Airbnb in North Georgia and just went up there for like three days by myself and sat in silence. So, so much easier and cheaper and probably better. It was my DIY silent retreat. So you were right. However. <laughs> I was only right to not make an impulse decision. It wasn't like that I came up with an alternative for you that was better. It was just like, that. this is not good. Pick what's option two, what's option three. We're also arguing about this while I was in Connecticut. So it's like long distance via text or like trying to make a phone call in between meetings and, you know, not having the time to come home at the end of the workday and like really talk it out. So it's just. It's about knowing when to like, you just weren't in a good headspace to make a decision then, I think. Yeah. And it's like, how do I talk you down? And ultimately just like time you need time to sit that's like the hardest thing to get you to do is to slow down and think about it because you're in like go 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 mode like we have to book a vacation now or have to book re- like whatever it is it's always right now yeah i'm There's very never impulsive any, you're very impulsive and so anyway you never like i think i might need to retreat three months from now we never have that conversation so it's just like how do i get you to pump the brakes now enough that we can like really figure out what what you need and is this thing fitting your need or not because oftentimes I feel like you don't end up necessarily with something that like exactly fits your need. Yeah. It's just like kind of, maybe it's, maybe it's not too bad, but I'm also, I'll shop and shop and shop for something before I make a decision and you're the opposite. So it's tough. Yeah. I was just going to say, I'm, I lose salespeople or whatever ads on Instagram, like win all the time. Cause I'm like, yeah, I need that. I need that right now. You don't buy that much stuff on Instagram. Amazon is secure. Yeah. So something else, it kind of goes through several different needs. And I'll talk through some of the ones that you highlighted sections. And this first one is respect his judgment. So we might have talked about this a little bit. A man deeply needs the woman in his life to respect his knowledge, opinions, and decisions. Something that would be called his judgment. It takes a lot more effort to deter his judgment when I want to seize control. So the follow-on to this highlighted section is their comrades at work seem to trust their judgment more than their own wives did. And so the last piece here is, while a man's colleagues will rarely tell him what to do, more than one wife has fallen into the habit of ordering him around like one of the kids. And you highlighted this, and I think this used to be a much bigger deal in our relationship than it is now. And we might have talked about this on our last podcast as far as like compromises that we made around the house. But reading this a while back really opened my eyes to the way that I would be asking for help or I would be maybe verbalizing expectations that we never really agreed on and then you would feel like I was demanding or ordering you around like acting like maybe a mom instead of a spouse and so I don't know what are your what would you like to add to that 
yeah, I think there used to be more demands. I think it's better, but it's much better. Sometimes there's still demands. Talk about that. I don't know what they are. I just it's better. I don't know. You don't have an example. I don't know. I feel like I don't know. I feel like there used to be demands. I can't think of any, but it got better. I mean, we've been together for a long time, so it's hard to remember. But another piece they talk about is that you highlighted. When you tell him to ask for directions, you're telling him point blank that you don't trust him to figure it out for himself. Are there are there other places in our relationship where I'll like tell you how to do something and you'll feel that way? It's not so much about telling me how to do it. It's about I can decide for myself when I'm lost and I'll decide to get the directions when I'm when I've given up. Don't don't give up for me. I like mm. recommend that I should give up. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, it's not like I don't know how to ask for directions. Yeah. Like, i am decided not to yet. It's like, just hang in there. <laughs> I think that trusting your judgment in addition to the piece in your book that talks about, like, verbalizing your thoughts, I think that would make for, like, a much easier understanding of, like, what's going through your head and then me... Like, respecting that. But it's, like, hard to read your mind. And, like, maybe that's not the point of this, is that I should just, you know, trust your judgment and respect you unconditionally. That's another thing that was highlighted. But it's really tough, especially when we're both type A problem solvers, to not want to solve the problem for you. You can also just think out loud. Like, you know, if you're driving somewhere and you don't know where you are, you're like, hmm, this doesn't look familiar. I don't... Like, a lot of times when you're navigating... You know, be like, is the turn coming up? As opposed to just waiting and then missing it or something. Like, you can communicate and say, I don't know where we are. I think we're lost. If I don't see something in five minutes, then I'm going to pull over. Like, you can also communicate what's going through your head as a male, right? And that way the person's like, okay, like, they're, they've got a plan. They've got contingencies, you know, versus just silence. That's like the, the other extreme. So sometimes y'all are not being communicated to as to what's going on. And so... You have questions, so you start making suggestions. I think it goes both ways, just... I want to find one more piece towards the end of this. Ah, okay. So towards the end of this chapter, the conclusion is, okay, so what, what do we do? We just talked about learning how men feel love via respect and how important respect is to them in different circumstances where they may feel disrespected so like what's the so what and statement towards the end that you highlighted i'll read the whole paragraph as we move forward we'll inevitably inevitably blow it sometimes we'll see anger or withdraw that signals are that signals our men are suffering the pain of our disrespect. But what happens? Men recommend saying... But when that happens... But when that happens, men recommend we avoid saying, I'm sorry I made you feel X, Y, Z. Since, as one man put it, that implies I wasn't disrespectful and you shouldn't feel that way. Instead, they recommend simply saying something like, I'm really sorry I said that. It was disrespectful. I know I can trust you. And I thought 
having this template was really helpful to, I guess, really reinforce, like, the right way to communicate. And also reinforce that it doesn't matter what I thought. It matters how you felt. And so if, you know, a line was crossed and I did disrespect you, whether I intended to or not, it's critical to say, like, look, I do trust you. I know that was disrespectful and I apologize not being dismissive about, well, I'm sorry, you feel disrespected. That's something you need to get over, right? Like, that's that's not helpful and it's not really taking away, taking home the, the learning here that they talked through. Yeah, I agree. Do you experience any of these scenarios at work with maybe female colleagues? No, I think I think what's different about work, I was thinking about this while we were talking, is that I actually find at work there's a lot more communication about, you know, I'm thinking this. Like, you don't know each other as well. Mm. So I think there's, like, a lot of assumed stuff in marriage. Like, oh, we've been together all this time, and, like, I can tell what they're thinking. And so you just don't communicate, I feel like. But if you're at work and you're with a smaller team and you're trying to solve a problem, I think there is a lot of, well, I'm thinking about it this way and I'm thinking about that way and let's talk through Like, you have to really communicate a lot. And I think that leads to, like, less misinterpretation of feelings or thoughts or whatever. But no, I don't have a problem, you know, debating ideas with people at work, no matter the gender. I think also, like, even if they are, you know, a female, they're still in the engineering field. And so we typically all kind of think the same. And we're all there to find the best solution. That's different than, it's different than personal life. I'm expected to be challenged. I want to be challenged, Mm. you know. So it's a little bit of a different mindset anyway. Yeah, I think so. Like, tell me why I'm wrong. Like, I, I want to know. I, I mean, I lean, I'll, I'll say, like, the industrial engineers for sure deal with a lot of complicated data collection and organization and solutions that you might think are obvious are not always the right solution. Oftentimes, they're not the right solution. So I, I try and have those discussions with, discussions with them as, like, I'm looking at this chart, and this is what I'm, this is what I'm seeing, I'm thinking we should do, you know, A, tell me, like, why I'm wrong, basically. Mm-hmm. And usually, almost always, they're like, there's some thing there that I'm not seeing. Or there's another way to interpret the data. Mm-hmm. So I don't really care who's explaining it to me. They, they're experts in their field, and I'm leaning on them to help me understand something. Yeah, you do, though, off, not often, but there are circumstances where you do come home from work, like, pretty frustrated with interactions where somebody has made you feel like disrespected i would say i think it's different i think it's about how the correction is made Mm -hmm. i think some people can make corrections very very professionally and say like oh i can see how you're getting that from the chart however there's like uh, there's other ways to look at this and i would like consider if i were you like i would consider these other outcomes or there's a, that's totally wrong. I can't believe that you see things that way. And now it makes me question every piece of work you've ever done. <laughs> you know, two totally opposite ways to react to like maybe the same statement about the same data set. And one of those is going to be a learning experience. One of them is not going to be a learning experience. 
Yeah, so uh, I won't go into it, but there's a section in this chapter that talks about respect in communication and then subsections about hearing disrespect, so being like the tone of voice, hearing disappointment, and hearing attacks. And so I guess just to play that back, there's a lot that gets picked up in tonality of a response, even if that's, even if that, those words were transcribed on a paper and you would read it as constructive criticism, if the tone is not constructive, the takeaway is questioning, demeaning, like um, not trusting, and then that would lead to feelings of not imposter syndrome, but like lead to feelings of inadequacy, I guess. Yeah, and I've seen it happen from multiple like leaders of different ages and genders. It doesn't really matter. It's the same mm-hmm. demeaning tone and mm-hmm. cadence and content. Yeah. I've seen it from all kinds of people. Mm-hmm. Something that really, when I was reading this chapter for the first time, it was like groundbreaking, right? I never really thought about how men, how men feel love differently than women. And it opened my eyes to at work when I do question people. It was, I think I already said this, like out of deep curiosity of, you know, why are we doing this way? But I could see now that those questions could have come across where I'm like totally not trusting my colleagues or counterparts on what they're intending to do and the way that I'm asking a question probably came across as like she doesn't trust me she thinks I'm stupid and so it really changed the way that I try to interact with people at work to be more curious versus suggestive and ask questions in a way that like hey help me help me learn this thing because that's something that you know they talk about as well Help me learn this thing, not like, why the heck are you doing it this way? I don't know. Hopefully these nuggets are helpful for both men and women out there communicating with maybe their significant others or folks of the opposite gender that are in their lives. What else would you like to add to this? That's it. It's been a good review. Good review? Mm-hmm. So we are about halfway through the semester with school. We've gotten through our first midterm. It went okay. And upcoming, we have a paper to write for our strategy class. That's a little intimidating, but I think we'll think we'll be okay. Yeah, I need that outline you made, Chad GPT made you. I asked ChatGPT to give me a checklist, kind of like a pre-flight checklist where you walk around your plane and you have a checklist to look at the oil and the electronics and the radio and all these things and took the same concept and applied it to if there's power of the buyers, there would be yeses to these questions. If there's power of the suppliers, you know, what are yes-no questions I can ask for all of these different elements to strategy um, that would give me a clear takeaway as far as who had what advantage. So that's my uh, step one in preparing for this. uh, I think it'll actually be fine. I feel fine about it, actually. Yeah. I don't feel really nervous at all. I have a whole week to write it. All the content's there. He's got the videos. It's all Googleable in terms of 
uh, if you want to know about five forces, there's so much content, you know? Yeah. So I think it's more, I think the hardest part actually is interpreting the business, the business case <laughs> or article, not using the tools, I think. So I think most people are more about the tools, not about the case. I think they have it backwards. So just my, my take, and it's going to be hard and complicated. The, the one we did that was similar to it was very complicated. Probably Has it been posted yet? No. Oh. I haven't seen it. He posted like in an hour, I think. But either way, I think that's me the harder part is getting the right answer to the business case and substantiating that will be a little bit difficult, but we'll see. should be fun. He said there's not really a right answer. It's most about defending your position, but I feel like there's... There's a right answer. Come on. I don't know. If you... I mean, there's definitely a lot of wrong answers, but there could be several different... No, there's an optimal answer. Of course there's an optimal answer, but that doesn't mean that, like, the second and third optimized method no. is complete garbage. There's, like, one answer. You think, think about it. In the pulp and paper situation, it was make more pulp or make paper. It's A or B. There's two options. Yeah, I guess. With Coke, it's spin off bottlers or don't. It's A or B. It's going to be an A, A, B option, maybe with a slight twist, but... I think I just read too much into it. I get. I think it's, like, more complicated than it is, and I'm, like... Ugh, I think I overcomplicated. Maybe I mean it is complicated, but the last some of the last ones we've done have been kind of A or B. Mm-hmm. Samsung going to China or don't, and if they do, how? Right. So that one's a little bit more like how would you do it? But but the point is, if you pick don't go into China, you're starting off with like a C on the paper. You know. You think? Yes. My answer was don't go into China. I'm just telling you, oh, if you great. pick the wrong thing. And you can have a decent ba- like because cause if you pick if you pick the wrong answer, you're gonna do your your and you could, because you did your forces and they gave you that answer that means your forces are wrong like yeah. it's all consistent you can't you can't pick the right answer and then do a, a poor force you could do a poor force analysis but but probably not you could pick the wrong answer and, and have done a poor force analysis to get there and then you're gonna get like so if we still have anybody listening at this point in the podcast and if anybody's interested yeah. The midterm for strategy is we'll get a, a business case and some financials and we'll have to use the strategy concepts we've learned so far to make a recommendation for what the business should do next considering considering the circumstances and whatever their strengths and weaknesses and market forces are like. So we have, what, five pages, six pages? Yeah, strengths is like fake. No strengths. Yeah. Like competencies. Competitive advantages. Competitive advantages. Yeah. Strengths and weaknesses boil it down. Strengths is fake. Strengths is fake. Say more about that. It's like not a real strong relative to a competitor. What does it even mean? Strong. They have power of the buyer. They don't have power of the no, buyer. That's different. That's that's a that's buyer power, supplier power. Yeah. Where they where they have leverage, where they don't have leverage. To do whatever. See, I'm already... You can't say any of that. That's Alexander's all already, like... You gotta use all... Uh, you gotta use all his terms. He I can't know. be like, they've got strong leverage. What does that even mean? It's... No, they've got strong buyer power because there's consolidated whatever. Like, you gotta use all his terms. So I'll get an A in accounting. <laughs> You'll get an A in strategy. Just, it's... Strategy's like... I, I, could be, I could do bad on this, but I really think it's, like, not that hard. But when people make up stuff, like... They've got a strong brand. It's like, 
Maybe they do, but what does that really mean? People, it's just so fuzzy. Yeah. Got to use the tools. The tools are very straightforward. Every time in class you've answered questions, they've been spot on. Yeah, it's because it's pretty straightforward. I mean, I got smacked in one, one session. I was not prepared. But ever since then. The Tesla case? No, the Coke case. I was not prepared for the Coke case. Mm. I made a freaking PowerPoint, badass awkward. PowerPoint for that Coke case. You did good. I did great. That's the kind of level of detail you got to go to. You got to use right. the articles. You can't make up fuzzy words like strengths. You and need to put the little like bowling bumpers up and just. I'm telling you, it's not in the articles. Don't talk about it. All right. Well, we'll when we come back to do the next chapter for our series, no idea when that will be, we will provide an update on the results of our strategy midterm. I'll read it to you. We'll read it to you. Oh my gosh. Put everybody to sleep. You can bookmark it for the next time you can't can't fall asleep at night. With that, thank you, Alexander, for indulging me in this discussion and sharing your perspective. And I appreciate you. I respect you. Thank you. I trust and respect the decisions you make for our family. Even the decision of putting disco on raw food, which I was very skeptical about. Best decision ever. So we switched last thing. We can't and then keep we'll... going. Just save it for another one. <laughs> Cut it off. It's tough. Uh, all right. Thanks, folks. So talk to you next time.